0: Welcome to Understanding the Law, Week in Review. The show is hosted by Peter Lamont and Bob Hughes and is a service of the law offices of Peter J. Lamont & Associates. The firm has offices in New Jersey, New York, Colorado, Puerto Rico and affiliated offices throughout the country. Understanding the Law, Week in Review is a weekly radio broadcast discussing recent legal and business news and topics. As always, we welcome calls from our listeners. If you wish to discuss any of today's topics, please call our switchboard at 347-855-8831. Please note that this broadcast does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship with any of our listeners. And now, your hosts, Peter Lamont and Bob Hughes.
1: Good morning and welcome to uh, Legal and Business Week in Review, April 6th today, the first show of April, and my wife's birthday, apparently the most important of the year, yes. Yes, Uh, it is. I I should not even be here. I should be home celebrating all day, (laughs) unfortunately. I'll have to wait till later. Um, So we've got a lot of things that we're going to do today and something new, yes, new, because as I was telling Bob before we uh, went live. My life is extremely boring, and I want to spice it up, right, Bob? I want to spice things up. Absolutely,
2: yes. we're 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 not telling your wife that her birthday is boring, but...
1: uh, No, no, no. That's spicy enough. No,
2: not at all. Uh, Yes.
1: (laughs) We're going to do a uh, sort of a, a modified show today. We always talk about legal news and business news, and we kind of tie it in, and then we go through some learning experiences both with the law and with business. But today I think what we're going to do is separate it out, and we're going to go... For maybe 30 minutes or so, we're going to talk about some of the legal stories that have come up, and we'll pick them apart like we always do. But then we're going to talk about um, business for the last you know, portion of the show. And then I want to make this shift and see how you guys like it, so please give feedback so we know if you like it. But today's topic is going to be managing expectations of your customers or clients, and that's going to be the business topic that we're going to get into. I think it's a really important topic, regardless of what kind of business you own, Uh, Even if you don't own a business, but you're a manager or a supervisor. So we're going to talk about that, managing expectations of customers and clients. And we're also going to go through the news. We've got some good stories today, stories about zombie cookies and uh, Uber and Jeep and fire deaths, all kinds of, of, you know, the usual fun things. So before we get into that, let me just thank our sponsor. Today's show is sponsored by Paychex. And Paychex is a company that we use all the time. They do our payroll. They do all of our, um, our, our tax work for employees. It's a really great company. Um, it makes it super easy for us because, like I tell Bob all the time, I can't add and I can't subtract. And calculating percentages, forget it. So it's really great because they take all of that hard administrative work off of my plate and they just do it. They tell me what numbers the paychecks are, and they calculate everything, so it's really great. And they're offering uh, two free months, which is, uh, or actually it's one month, I take that back, one uh, free month of payroll processing for our listeners. So if you go to utlradio.com, a third of the way down the page, under this month's sponsors, you'll see paychecks, click on it, and you'll get your free month of payroll processing. And that, you know, if you're if you're paying your employees every two weeks or every other week, you're going to get a full cycle, and you're going to get to see how that works. So check that out. Also, I want to remind everybody about the app. The app, which there is a link to at the top of the page on utlradio.com, it has now been opened up to the Android market. And so all of those people who have Android phones that could not get the app before can now get it. It's free. There's there's, you know, no add-ons or costs related to it. And you will be able to look at the calendar, see upcoming events. You'll be able to listen to this show live. You'll be able to watch the videos from our video library that are, are you know listed on the app. Um, there's all sorts of information, including the Ask an Attorney a Question link, which is kind of cool. You just ask your question on your smartphone or tablet, and we get it and we answer it. Uh, there's also links to various state statutes and statutes of limitations and court rules. And So if you are a do-it-yourselfer, It's a good resource for you because we've got everything in one place. So check that out, download that, and then finally, don't forget to use the new Ask Your Question tab on utlradio.com for the Tuesday Legal and Business Q&A live. Ask Your Questions, uh, record it, we get the questions, we play it live on the air, and it's really kind of cool. So do that, and now, without further ado, why don't we start with the news, Bob?
2: that sounds great yes you know you talk about uber and um and a lot of people are pros. a lot of people are con it doesn't matter really where you're at but it's whether or not you can use it we actually have goober where i'm at don't know sticks here uh, alleged plainclothes officer yelling at an uber driver you're not important enough to arrest he says pix11.com telling us that a passenger caught on camera an explicative laden rant by a man who said he was an officer and pulled over an uber driver after the motorist allegedly honked at an unmarked police vehicle never a good call a spokesperson for the nypd said it is aware of the video and that they're looking into it based upon our initial review of the video we cannot determine if the male is a member of the nypd however this matter has been referred to the ia bureau for further review the department said in a statement it all started about 2 p.m monday on manhattan's west side sanjay seth said in the video's caption his uber driver had come across an apparent unmarked police car stopped at the side of the road. those blinker or reverse lights on, perhaps double-parked, the passenger said. The Uber driver pulled around and gestured that the officer should use his blinker. I'm sure he did, casually and non-offensively, and kept driving us, Seth wrote in the video's caption. That's when the officer flicked on his red and blue lights and aggressively pulled up behind the car because that's how cops drive, Seth said, adding that the officer did not identify himself. The three-and-a-half-minute video shows the video slamming the driver's door, cursing and asking how long the driver had been in the U.S. The only reason you're not in handcuffs, the police officer said, going to jail and getting summons in the precinct is because I have things to do. That's the only reason that it's not happening, because this isn't important enough to me. You're not important enough. Don't ever do that again. In a statement, Uber called the officer's behavior unacceptable. Of course, the behavior in the video is wrong and unacceptable, and we appreciate the NYPD investigating the incident, the company said. We are in touch with our driver partner, who has who was subjected to this terrible experience, and will continue to provide any support he needs. There's a lot of questions with this particular story. I mean, a you've got a, a possibly a cop gone rogue, but my question is, to what does what degree does Uber owe any support to the driver because of the contract reasons?
1: Well, you know what, you probably have to assume that Uber drivers are independent contractors. Um, right. I don't know. I've never used Uber, um, but I would imagine the structure is that they're independent contractors. Probably they they have their own vehicles, um, and if you know more about it, Bob, let me know. I think that that that's how it would be structured. So if they're independent contractors, I think that the duty that Uber has to the driver is absolutely zero with respect to something like this. So, you know, you've got an officer... Now, you know, you you could also, you've you've got the other area to explore, which is, would any employer, let's say it was an employer-employee relationship, would any employer owe a duty to the driver of a vehicle, let's say it's an employee again, um, because of the actions of a third party? And in a situation like this, the answer would generally be no. So if you're, um, you know, uh, a, a driver for Target, and you're driving, and a cop pulls you over and harasses you, and... Um, says or does something to you, can you go back to your employer and say, you know, you put me in this position, um, you know, you, you gave me a truck with a blinker out, you know, this is your fault, and I was subjected to harassment. Really, no. You know, there's really just no no duty there. Um, and then it triggers the next question, which is, well, what can the driver, assuming that this was an officer, what can he do? Because, you know, Sounds pretty um r- racial or or ethnic uh, some some bias, That's, yeah, here. Sure. so what can he do? Can he turn around into the police department and then you get into all of those various immunities that get triggered now, if he could prove that this was some he was the victim of some sort of bias attack, that would be enough, assuming that it's legitimate to possibly get beyond the immunities because the immunities don't protect officers. Who engage in discriminatory behavior, but you know this is one of those things where what are his damages? He feels upset um it, it probably goes nowhere, it probably gets lost in the in the various you know mountains of files and eternal affairs that he's going to have, and you know maybe,
2: maybe an apology
1: issued <laughs> maybe, maybe you know and and maybe then you maybe. have to, yeah, you have to wonder because. I think that taxi drivers and, and Uber drivers and, and people who are foreign, I really think as much as I think that the the cops in New York City are better and better trained than cops that are in like our local towns where they get paid a ton of money to cross, you know, old ladies and then they pull you over like it's the most important thing that ever happened to, to them, you know. They've got their hands on their gun because your taillights out. Um I think that City cops are better, but um, I think that there is some sort of, of of slight bias against a lot of the taxi drivers, because most of them are foreign. Most of them don't even really speak good English. So, And I mean, if you've
2: easy, been in a cab at any time, <laughs> you know how they drive.
1: Yeah. So, And it's not like that just in, in the city of New York, but it's like in Chicago oh, and L.A., yeah. <laughs> you name it, everywhere. That's a job I wouldn't want, that's for sure.
2: No, not at all. No, thank you. Um, well, and that's the thing where you know you start to talk about Uber and you know what the licensing is and what the the responsibility of the driver is and where that cuts off with the contractor or which would Uber be would be that particular case. I like you said, I don't think there's a whole lot of responsibility on Uber's part to make sure this guy is treated well or treated fairly or even gets paid half the time. I'm not sure how the app works and maybe they get paid through that. That that is their sole. Responsibility, but I'm sure Uber is probably even involved in this more for the free publicity than anything.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Definitely.
2: <laughs> oh well, I, I will try. I may try Uber when I come to New York here in the in the fall. We'll see. Um, a lawsuit filed, racial slur printed on Houston wedding day photo booth pictures. Seven Online dot com telling us in Houston that a Fort Bend County couple is suing the owner of a photo booth that was at their wedding, claiming he and his company are responsible for the racist photo caption on some of the guests' printed pictures. The wedding was in August 2012 at a venue in Garden Oaks. The bride and groom, both African-American, hired premier photography owned by James Evans to provide an attendant and photo booth at the reception for guests to take photos commemorating the union. The photo caption was supposed to say the couple's first names and date. Instead, for some guests, it said, Poor N-Word Party. Anyone would find this caption offensive, I'm offended by it. I don't want to say it, attorney Kathy Hale told Eyewitness News. Hale represented the couple who have sued Evans and the Premier Photography Company, claiming not only breach of contract for a memory stick of photos they say they never received, but also for the negligence and mental anguish. They trusted this company to provide them with a service on their most important day, and what they got was complete opposite. They got a slap in the face. Every time they think about their anniversary, they think about this. It's never going to go away, said Hale. Both Evans and his attorney declined an on camera interview, but directed the uh, television station to their responses filed in civil court. In one filing, they deny all the allegations. In another, they write at a party of 100 people, there is no evidence linking the company to the offensive caption and no evidence of mental anguish. Hale disagrees and at least says they deserve an apology. You know, when you've got, a, have you been to a wedding with a photo booth before?
1: I've been to a party that has had a photo booth, yeah, but not a wedding. You, Same thing, though.
2: Did they have an attendant? Did they have an attendant that kind of controlled things?
1: No, they the, the booth was there, and you were able to go up and do whatever you wanted to do with the booth.
2: I'm wondering at what point does can you prove that the? Uh, I guess you know. I mean, and as any company, when you outsource your services and you provide an individual to supervise it, at what point are you really truly reliable? You don't know. Who put that on there? Do you?
1: No, oh, and that's the thing. You know, if they were contracted to provide the machine and an attendant who was to stay by the machine and assist people, you know, you might have a duty. You might, but there's no way of knowing. And I, I'm going to assume that this is one of those photo booths where you can type your own message. Obviously, sure, uh, not something that was pre-programmed into the machine. Because if a if it was a pre-programmed statement, then obviously that's a problem. And that's something that they would have some responsibility for. But if it's something that a guest came up and did, you don't have the, uh, the any sort of legal duty to that family or or the, that couple in this case to to look at what other people are doing. You know, most often sure. you, you rent the, the booth, you rent the piece of equipment. You know, it's like renting a printer or renting a, you know whatever it might be. And what you do on that, that's up to you. And nobody's going to supervise that. I would venture to say that they probably did not have a full-time attendant there because in the party that I went to, they stuck the booth, they showed you how to use it, and that was it. And you could write and do whatever you wanted to do. Um, I would think that at a, at a busy wedding, you know, the photo booth is probably one small component of that, that wedding. And I don't think that they would have had anybody supervising that on a on a full time basis, it seems kind of silly to do that. That's the point of it, you know. It's a self serve, fun sure. Jersey Shore type thing. Um, <laughs> I think this is a tough case to prove. A, well, every every attorney, right? Oh, every plaintiff's attorney, the mental anguish. Yes, so oh. you know, I get mental anguish from reading these things. No, you know, I. <laughs> I think it's it's upsetting, and if I were that couple, oh, sure. yeah, I'd absolutely be upset. And they have a right to be angry, but uh, is their anger directed at the right place? Is it exactly? Top- well, in generally, the photo booths
2: I've seen, you get your picture right away. Did no one notice that this was an issue right away?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, you I, know, we
2: don't know all the facts in this case, but there's a lot of questions here that you say, really.
1: You have to think that, that somebody did this as a joke. And I cannot imagine that anybody that, that was you know looking for more business from their photo booth would do something as stupid as that. I really think that right. um, the lack of evidence is going to be, in my opinion, the, the the shortcoming of this case. Because the plaintiff in a case always has the burden of proof. I'm the plaintiff. I've got to prove my allegations are true. I have to prove that you, the pho- photographer or, or photo booth owner, you knew or should have known that this was going on or that you did it intentionally. And, you know, how are you going to connect that? What is the proof to show unless it was pre-programmed into the machine? If you could show, look, this is a pre-programmed function, then I think you have them. Other than that, no, I don't see anything here. Maybe they're looking to get some sort of break off their photos. That's, that's sure. You
2: know, and that's the thing that
1: that's one thing though that just really drives me crazy with people. And I, I've I've thought about this for a while because I struggle with this on a daily basis. You know, when you are an attorney and you're representing criminals, you know, you have a better chance of having a and I don't know how to say this where it doesn't sound like I'm completely ridiculous, but a more forthcoming, forthright Client, not that they're telling you the truth, but they understand that they're being um, charged with a crime, and they know that you're there trying to help them either reduce their sentence or get a you know a, a, a not guilty verdict. Very simple. The expectations, and, and we'll get into this later when we talk about that business topic, but the expectations mm-hmm. are are narrow in focus, and the people you're dealing with are fighting for their freedom or reduced sentences when you're in a civil case it seems as though the people that hire lawyers in civil cases they're only out for one thing generally and what is it but money and when you don't oh, yeah. money i mean you talk about that that bible saying money is the root of all evil it, it really can be true because when money gets involved you've got people that will start their case saying, it's not about the money, it's the principle of the thing.
2: <laughs> Red flag.
1: Yeah, right. That's the <laughs> absolute worst reason to ever, ever, ever file a lawsuit, principle of the thing, because it's not. It's time-consuming. It's effort. It's money, both yours and, and what the attorney has to expend to prosecute you know, your case. And it's just really frustrating because a lot of times, even good people can be sort of um, turned towards the dark side because they see that that money carrot in front of them, and they want sure. that carrot you know to get bigger and bigger. And it's really really difficult when you deal when you deal with money, because when you've got a company like this, and this is where I'm going with this, maybe these people thought to themselves, you know, the, ph- the photographer was fine, but. Um, you know, my, my friend Martha, she had these really cool pictures done, and ours are just okay, and I'm not really happy with them. You know what? I I don't really like them. As a matter of fact, and as the days go by, right, it's like, oh, these suck. These are the worst pictures ever. And oh, how and they get worse, they- yeah, every day. Yeah. yeah. And so they turn around and they say, well, you know what? Um, You know, one, one, one person showed me this picture, and this is what was written on it. Let's sue the company. They've got the money. As a matter of fact, we paid them, you know, ten thousand dollars to do our photos. So of course they've got the money. And then it snowballs into this thing where the attorney is feeding them oh mental anguish, aren't you upset? You can't sleep, you can't eat, you know, you it's can't never go
2: going away. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I don't know, it gets frustrating when you have to deal with that. It's 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 hard. You know, you want people to get justice but sometimes in people's mind it's not about justice it's about greed you know it's like representing gordon gecko every time you you've got a case involving money so
2: well and it just goes to show you if you're in business where you're going to be leasing a piece of equipment where you're not going to be there to supervise it make sure your paperwork's in line because they will try to find a way if they're hurt or they're injured in any way shape or form to find you at fault
1: yeah, you are the deep you know, person there.
2: Look, look at the power tools that get rented every day. This is a photo booth. Look at yeah. the, the trenchers and the you know everything else that gets rented from these rentals. They'll rent you anything, and you don't even need to be an expert to handle it.
1: No, and that's the you know that is um, a good point because there was a a case not too long ago where somebody rented a mulcher, and then there or no, it was a wood chipper. And the guy was, was trying to clear debris, and he got his arm sucked into the wood chipper, and, of course, it, it ripped his arm right off. And he tried to sue the manufacturer, saying a design defect. And that didn't go anywhere, because there was nothing wrong with the the, the machine. Then he tried to say that there should have been a guardrail that would have prevented him from sticking his arm in, but that would have impaired the function of the machine. Sure. And, you know, it went away on a settlement, ultimately, but um you're right i mean there's there's so many things out there but i i think that people plaintiffs and i'm not saying that they're not injured but i think that a lot of them look at businesses and say we're entitled to more because you know we paid them 5 grand we paid them $2500 to rent this we paid them whatever it might be oh think about all the other people they've got the money they're not going to be hurting and you have no idea we represent a lot of photographers, and a lot of these photographers are, you know, working for themselves. They are living client to client. They don't have a huge bankroll to sit them, and they're doing the best they can. And if you don't like that person's work when you go in to hire them, well, then you shouldn't hire them. Careful. That'll, that'll make too much sense. <laughs> That's
0: That's true. Uh,
2: There we go. So just be careful going into it. Um, Class suit seeking damages for zombie cookies. No, they're not cookies made from dead people or people that don't want to be dead. San Francisco, an online ad company, used secret zombie cookies to track mobile device users' activities, a class action claims in federal court. Lead plaintiff Anthony Henson sued Turn Incorporated on April 1st. It's no joke, accusing it of turning Verizon customers' mobile devices into tracking beacons that monitor users' behavior. Advertisers use bits of bits of data called cookies to gather web information that could be used for personal targeted advertising. You see it all the time. Henson claims that Turn's zombie cookies evaded detection and could not be deleted, even if a person deleted Turn's cookie. The company had a process that will respawn the cookie. Henson says, "Turns active um Geez, I knew you, no, you used to know the word to say that word. Sarah They didn't do it very well. <laughs> 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 Tra- tracking people. It wasn't nice. They did. They did it underhandedly. Uh, tracking people do. against their wishes." <laughs> And affording industry standard consumer safeguards of privacy is unconscionable. See, I have that one. Okay, the complaint states, Turn stopped using zombie cookies after a ProPublica report on it in January. It is our absolute desire to honor people's choices. Now, a Turn spokesman says, according to ProPublica, Hanson seeks class certification, restitution and damages for trespassing to chattels and business law violation. He also wants Turn in uh, order to provide reasonable notice and choice to users about its data collection practices. This happens probably more than you even think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's still a developing area of law even though, you know, cookies have been around for, you know, a long long time now. Um and and most people are familiar with it if you say the term cookie and you establish that it's not the edible type, they get it. Sure. You know, and when you see your phones now, every time you go to um you know, uh, a particular site, and you've been searching something. Let's say that you're searching, I don't know, pool equipment or or lawyer or doctor. The next time you go to a site that has Google AdWords in- oh, or yeah. AdSense integrated into it, you're going to get uh, searches or advertisements based upon your searches. You know, and mm-hmm. and I, I hear a lot of people that are just like, you know, how do they know where I am? Because sometimes. <laughs> It happens where like you'll go into Target or Walmart or Starbucks or whatever, and the next thing you know, you're getting a, a coupon pop up on your phone, and mm-hmm. you know it's it's scary to some people because they feel like they're being tracked, and to an extent, you are. And to to what extent um, the violation or invasion of privacy becomes illegal is such a um, a fact specific question that there's there's very it's very difficult to say this is going too far. This is not, um, you know. But in a case like this, with with the class action, what what are damages? We don't know. You know, is it is it an annoyance?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is anyone really truly damaged or affected by it? Is the question more than it's just hey, you you know everything about me,
1: right? The only thing that that could trigger some damages are if this is a violation of any of the internet or computing laws that are out there, Um, you know, if it's a statutory violation, then it might be worth it. And you have to imagine that that's probably where the attorney for this, this proposed or purported class is looking to go, you know, how am I going to get paid? How much money is out there? (laughs) You know, is there a statute that provides for my, um, you know, payments to me that that's where it's got to go.
2: Seems somewhat surreptitious from the lawyer's part of the way of view anyway.
1: Oh, that's what that word was.
2: <laughs> Surreptitiously. I couldn't okay. pronounce it. <laughs> Knew what it meant. <laughs> I can't
1: pronounce my name, so I think we're on the same page.
2: <laughs> <It's> all right. <laughs> But yeah, it's you know and that's the thing is, it's there's so much like you said there's so much undeveloped in the law that it's 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 easy. it draws me back to what you said last week about how many companies put things in their contracts that may or may not be legal but who's going to ask? Nobody yeah. reads them anyway. That's right. So that's happening every day. Um mom is suing a charter school after a scandal. Not what you'd think normally. Washington according to courthousenews.com. After a charter school hired a substitute teacher through Craigslist, great sourcing idea, guys, she provided a student with oral sex in her room during a pep rally. The boy filmed it, and it went viral, his mother claims in court. Ta-da! It's magic. The mother of the 17-year-old boy sued the D.C. Public Charter School Board and saving our students through educational personnel on March 27th in D.C. Superior Court. Saving Our Students allegedly hired the sub without properly vetting her, you think, through an uh, ad on Craigslist, which is not a party to the case. The mother, Jane Doe, we'll call her, says the sexual abuse happened at the Options Public Charter School in October of last. She claims that even a cursory search would have revealed that the teacher, Simone Green, had been in legal trouble in Baltimore. Green, 22, worked for just one day at the school, October 17, 2014, according to the complaint, which describes options as a public charter school for at-risk youth. At-risk for what? Um, it took Green just that one day to develop a sexual relationship with a learning-disabled 11th grade student who served as an office assistant that day, the boy's mother says. She says Green was flirtatious with her son, who gave her his cell number at the end of the second class he assisted her with. Green then texted him, and he asked in reply if she was kinky, according to the complaint. Miss Green responded to the message saying, I don't tell, I show, the boy's mother says. The boy went to her room just before 3.30 p.m. as a pep rally was concluding, which is where the encounter occurred, according to the complaint. He recorded it on his cell phone for everyone else. Nice of him. Five days later, the Washington Post reported that the video had gone viral within the school community. Two of them continued the two of them continued to text one another over the weekend. And on Monday, October 20th, the minor agreed to text message Ms. Green in the presence, custody and control of law enforcement officials. The complaint states it says they exchanged 24 texts and quotes several of the frankly sexual messages. The last message cited in the lawsuit is, "Defendant mm-hmm. to victim, this can ruin my ruin my whole life." So and so, why couldn't you just keep it to yourself? Because it's his fault. Good call. Police then arrested Green, though the age of consent in the uh, District of Columbia is 16. She was charged with first-degree sexual abuse of a minor because she was a teacher. Doe seeks three million in ch- uh, damages for battery and negligence. Three million bucks—a lot of money. That's an expensive tryst, let me tell you. Wow. Yeah. Yep. What the heck? Um, you know, is this a case of, of, of charter schools just being? Below the board when it comes to their practices, or is this just an isolated incident? And then, you know, gosh and golly, this gal's done. And what, yeah. what, 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 what responsibility did the school have to know that this girl was there? I mean, we all kind of talk about it, but did, did they do due diligence?
1: Well, I would say no, um, because this is probably something <laughs> that. They, they should have seen, they should have known about. Uh, I, I really think that this highlights the importance of looking into who you're hiring before you hire them. And I think that, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, Craigslist is something that people use all the time. And you know what? There are good people that you can find in Craigslist, Craigslist, Craigslist ads. Um, yeah, it, it's tough to generalize, but... It has become a hiring tool primarily because a lot of the other hiring tools that are out there, websites like Monster.com, they frankly suck. Um, Monster, I've used Monster before. When when Monster first came out, it was the go-to place. And then, you know, you had CareerBuilder come up and the funny monkeys and, and orangutans that were in the commercials. But as far as producing results... Um, it's expensive and you get very few quality hits depending upon the, the job that you're trying to place. So it's not, I don't think uh, uh, um, an effect of using Craigslist per se. I think it's an effect Mm -hmm. of just saying, okay, this looks good. And then not doing the right things, not taking the right steps to make sure that this person is, is, you know, who she says she is and that there's no problems because she is a teacher, and she does have that enhanced duty. Um, you know, the kid, if you ask the kid, he'd probably say this was the greatest teacher that he's ever had. But, <laughs> you know, is she going to be made to pay $3 million in damages? Probably not. Um, but there's definitely statutory violations at play, and as far as her career goes, she's done. Done. There was a, there was a case I had a couple years ago, maybe six years ago, involving a female wrestling coach. She was also a teacher at a school. And when she was was teaching the kids, they were all male students, how to wrestle, there was one kid that she had a thing for, so she would grab him in uh, inappropriate places. And it it developed into a relationship. She had no prior history of this. She was just a one-time thing. And she was done. Um, Almost went to jail over the whole thing. And uh, her her career as a teacher, over, and she's listed as a sex offender. So it makes it difficult to find other jobs when you've got that sex offender designation.
2: <laughs> well, and unfortunately, um, I just wonder um, what the school possibly could have been thinking by not taking the next step to vet the, uh, the yeah. individual. That's the thing.
1: Wow. Yep, absolutely.
2: uh, Do we want want to talk about uh, Chrysler real quick, and we'll wrap up and we'll move on to the next segment?
1: Yeah, let's do that. That sounds good.
2: Okay, yeah. Jury hitting Chrysler for $150 million in a Jeep fire death. Courthousenews.com telling us a jury found Chrysler responsible for the death of a four-year-old Georgia boy in a fire following a Jeep crash and ordering the automaker to pay his family $150 million in damages. Thursday's verdict in the Georgia Superior Court in Decatur County came after only two hours of deliberations. The award of damages breaks down to 120 million for the loss of life and 430 million for his pain and suffering, which those numbers don't add up to the 150. Yet, which I think is just 30 million for pain and suffering. The case stemmed from the death of Remington Walden, who died in the uh, March 2012 crash of his parents' Jeep Grand Cherokee. After the crash, the fuel tank installed behind the rear axle of the SUV leaked, setting it ablaze. During the trial, the attorney for the family contended that if the fuel tank had only been placed farther forward on the vehicle, Walden's death might have been prevented. The jury found the company acted with reckless and wanton disregard for human life in the design and sale of vehicles and failed to warn customers uh, that the SUV could be hazardous. In 2013, Chrysler recalled 1.56 million Jeep Grand Cherokees and Liberty SUVs manufactured between 1993 and 2007 to address concerns about their fuel tanks. In the statement, the company said it was disappointed in the verdict and could consider an appeal. So you've got the recall after the crash. So right. something was up. Uh, 150 million. Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is a definite. Let's let's prove a point. Let's make a point here because. A, we know that Chrysler can afford that, and um, you know, I, years ago used to do product liability work for, for the the major automobile manufacturers, and uh, you know, at a very large firm in the city, and and they've got you know they've got this down to a science. They have experts that will come in and testify about the safety. It's the same guys over and over again. Um, it really does work quite well when they're defending these claims. And every once in a while, you're going to get a claim like this where they're hit with a lot of damages because they did do something. But one thing that is important to understand um, with product liability cases, the fact that they made or or issued a recall after the injury is not something that can ever be admissible in evidence because there's, yeah, there's something called subsequent remedial measures. And subsequent remedial measures are not admissible to prove liability. So if you are a landlord and you have steps that don't have a railing and somebody falls down those steps. Yeah. Yeah. So you now go up and you put that railing and they say, look, you know, this proves that you were at fault. This proves that you were liable. So in Chrysler's case, you issued a recall. Therefore, this proves liability. That's not true. It can be used to prove other things like feasibility, feasibility, like it was possible to fix the steps or fix the car. It was possible to remedy a situation before an accident, but it doesn't prove liability. Um, but, you know, when you put your faith in a car manufacturer, you're going to spend a lot of time driving, and your, your safety and the safety of your children is really in the hands of the people that put that car together, that sure. designed that car. And if that car is not going to protect you, I, I I think that while this is a very high verdict, I think that car and auto manufacturers in general have a really uh, heightened duty to make sure that the people that buy these vehicles, because cars are not cheap, and you want to make sure you're safe.
2: You would think, you know, and was it the Corvair? Unsafe at any speed. Say that again? What was the car? What was the car that was considered uns- by uh uh Naismith? Um unsafe at any speed. Was that the Corvair?
1: I don't I'm not a car guy. I don't know oh. at all.
2: But but you're familiar with what I'm talking about with with yeah. he it's kinda of how he became a consumer protection advocate per se. Right. Um right. and that was that was kind of the crux of his situation was, hey, you hit this thing, it's going to explode. Um, How much liability, I guess, I mean, you talk about how much money they have, but those previous case studies, when you get, gosh, you knew what was going to happen. Is that just something where, you know, engineering has changed and they don't really regard that as something that was pertinent when they designed it? It's more what they've developed in, in the between then and now that says, Hey, we can do this again. No big deal. We'll put the gas tank in the ass end of the vehicle and so be it. Um, or is that something that they just continue to overlook? And that's part of why this, uh, award is so big. It's just, or is it just basically the court making a point?
1: I think it's the court making a point, but I think that they would certainly go back and look at that. Um, those cases that came before it and said, listen, sure." Uh, this was a bad engineering design. This was a flawed design. The defect here is the design. So by placing the tank where they did, that could just be, um, in and of itself, a bad design. And why is it a bad design? Because we're going to look at all the cases that came before where manufacturers were oh, okay. placing the tank in this position, and then you know you can use those cases to say... Look how they knew you should have known too. This was a bad gotcha. design, inherently bad because of the placement of it. So yeah, gotcha. I mean, that yeah that does impact it. Sure.
2: Whether or not the the, the damage amount will be changed remains to be seen. So right. like, they're they're appealing it. So as they probably would appeal anything of this yep. magnitude. Wow. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, that wraps her up.
1: All right, good. Let's uh, let's go into this next segment, and then you know. You guys out there that are listening to this, we really want to hear your feedback on this because I, I think what we do is we we sort of mix in business and legal talk, and I wanted to see how it would play out if we kind of separated it out and talked specifically about a business topic. And that topic that I want to touch on today is expectations and managing expectations of clients uh, or customers. And, you know, Bob, you've had a lot of experience with different businesses And, you know, I work with different businesses. I am myself a business. And and I think it's really important if you are either currently, you know, you're the owner of a business or you're thinking about it. One of the key components to success is really managing the expectations of your clients. If you have a customer or a client who comes in expecting the moon, you are pretty much done right from the beginning because you're never going to live up to that expectation. Have you had experiences yourself, Bob, where you've had to deal with expectation issues of of your clients?
2: I can, yeah, absolutely. Actually, last night as a matter of fact, and this is where I get very specific about things and that's one of the keys that I've found is that, you know, when you come in they expect a lot, especially on a lot of contract sites. And as people continue to to grow the freelance market, you're going to get that more and more. I want this for this. I want this for this. No, I want this for this. No. You hired me for this. We discussed it. We went through it. Um, Matter of fact, there was was a price issue last night with one of the, the services I provide and said, well, I prefer that you did it for this. I said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll do this for that price, but normally for the price I quoted, you get this. So you choose what you want. And it was very specific and detailed. And that's one of the keys that I think is communicating effectively what the expectations are so that you don't end up with a scope creep.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a perfect description. I mean, scope creep is something that I've actually written about and scope creep mm-hmm. is really when you have a contract or you're going to be doing something for somebody and it, uh, it gets away from you and you let the customer or client take you outside of what you had originally agreed to do. This happens in construction all the time. Um, but it can even happen in, in things as simple as a kid's birthday party. If you're not detailed and clear and say, here's what this, you know, you're going to pay $400 for a kid's birthday party at a at a bounce place. Here's what you get. You get A, B, C, and D. That's a good way of managing because you know what you're going to get. But here's here's the question. Have you ever, Bob, had a situation where you have clearly identified the scope of what you're going to do you've negotiated the price, you are doing your best and at the, the 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 end of your job somebody is still not happy because uh they had different expectations. Has that ever happened?
2: Absolutely. Um we have I have uh, two young daughters and um they work through me sometimes on occasion. Um they enjoy doing voiceovers, they enjoy singing and so there are um, customers sometimes. I have a recording studio and so there are customers that want children to sing um, songs. And that's fine. We have no problem with that. The kids enjoy it. They make a little bit of money. They have fun doing it. And I don't have to pay for all the uh, the apps on their devices. Um, But what it boiled down to was we had X amount of songs to sing. The lack of, and I've learned from this as well, the lack of instruction on their part and my lack of being detailed about the expectation created a gap, which I'm still dealing with. The app needed the songs to be sung exactly, note for note, pitch for pitch, how it needed to be sung based on their examples. That wasn't defined going in. What happened was we sang them all in key, but we probably did some, um, some poetic license to it when it came to the notes, but it still sounded fine. Um you know, maybe instead of singing up where it needed to be, you sung down a third or down a fifth and sent them back to it. Well, that's when the song started coming back. Well, this isn't right. This isn't right. And I'm like, well, why is it right? You have to explain it to me why it's not right. And that's when they said, well, it needs to be just like this. And they sent me up just the melody line. Said, you didn't tell me that. that's what you needed. But, What I did, because I always blame myself, if I do something wrong, I say, you know what, I didn't clearly explain to you what I was going to provide to you. We ended up redoing some of the songs, or at least parts of the songs, to make sure the customer had exactly what they needed for their app, because the app triggered lights in the app for the particular notes. And so we had to clean up some things after the the fact. Now, going into those jobs, I am specific. About what I ask for on those particular jobs is how do you want these songs? Do they need to be note for note, or do they just need to be
1: entertaining? Right. It's, it's but I re- took care of the
2: customer in the back end.
1: Yeah, and you know sometimes you can do that, sometimes you can't because sometimes um, you know when when you have a customer that has such high expectations, and you don't perform to their level of uh, expectancy. They're done with you. They're done. They don't trust you. It just gets worse and worse, and it's this cycle of of destruction. And then, you know, everything starts to fall apart. I think that, um, you know, being as specific and detail-oriented and discussing the project with somebody to the point where you both feel comfortable uh, is really, really important. And then also maybe supplementing that verbal discussion with, not just a contract, um, because the contract can oftentimes be very generalized we're going to perform mm-hmm. services, and you're going to pay us and but maybe it's a good idea to specifically write down limitations or expectations and um, you know it happens in in my profession all the time because mm-hmm. you have a discussion with somebody and uh, you tell them here's what we're going to do, or here's you know especially with litigation, but even with the the stuff that you might do for a company. Here's what we're going to do. Here's the timetable. And then they start to get antsy and they don't like your timetable. They want to move things around. And if you give into that, you're creating problems for yourself. But it's very difficult because trying to balance customer satisfaction with your work, the way that you work, because everybody works differently, can be very, very difficult. But having things right Mm-hmm. Is it? Yeah, I mean that's spells it out. But you, you're never going to make everybody happy.
2: No, no, and that's that's exactly correct. What do you think? Uh, like like I, I'm a big prioritizer. When I sit down with someone and they have a larger project, say, okay, what do you need now, and what do you need next? How do you think that falls into everything?
1: You know, I, I think it's really good. I think it's it's a good way of making sure that you're on the same page, but. You know, you come across these people out there that say, well, I hired you. You should know. Why are you asking me? <laughs> you know? And it really, it, it's not easy dealing with, with people's expectations. It just isn't. If you go to, you know, a pizza place, it's going to be a little bit easier if you're the owner of that restaurant, because as long as you have on that menu pizza and here's the price, if somebody doesn't like it, they just typically don't come back, but they're not going to sue you over the pizza that you made. But,
2: or trash you on social media because you won't serve pizza at their wedding.
1: Exactly. But <laughs> other businesses, service-oriented businesses like, like the poor photographer, and who knows, maybe the guy did it, I don't know, but the photographer that we talked about earlier today.
2: Oh, great! yeah, great idea.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe he did not explicitly provide a waiver. Or, you know, even if a waiver might not necessarily be legally binding, let's say that that waiver exceeds the bounds of the law. I think that that still can be helpful to a, a business because it would say, you know, you're responsible. We, we did not pre-install anything. This is the way the machine came, and we're not responsible for any content that you guys create. That would be a good idea, you know, because what happens if it wasn't the, the writing on the photos, but what happens if somebody took a topless photo in the photo booth? And then that was being sure. circulated around, and it was offensive. What kind of wedding in is this? you know um, should, should one they I want do- to go to yes <laughs>
2: um, yeah, that's a good point because you're you're providing the vehicle um but that delineation between here's the gun what you do with it is your choice right is is you know in 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 outside of that particular example probably can come back to bite you if you're not hey, you know what you're responsible, and it, shows, it says right here in the contract, for what you do with this machine, don't break
1: it. Right, right. I think, though, that a lot of times, I mean, that's a it's a funny point, but it's a good point. I think a lot of people are worried about protecting their business or their, um, their equipment, and that's their primary focus, but they don't think about that other end with a customer and how much damage can a customer do beyond something like, you know, for example, the photo booth. I guarantee you there's something in there that it says if you damage the photo booth, you're responsible. But sure. did they go so far as to think about, well, what about content created by the users? Um, and that comes down to a few things. I think, A, having things in writing is extremely important. But more so than having things in writing is, B, thinking through what you are actually going to put in writing. And it might take a little time. You and I have talked about these things in the past, and we both have learned from experiences, and we make changes as we go to make sure that we sort of take stock of, well, what happened in the last six months, and how can we make it better? But that's something that everybody has to look at if you own a business.
2: You hope so, yeah. Um, and that's the nice thing about getting someone involved that's that's has some experience and let me back up. When you go into a business, or you maybe you've worked, maybe maybe you've been a a, um, a, a contractor, not even contractor. Um, uh, you've been on a contracting crew, and so now all of a sudden you're going to begin to be your own contractor. You're going to start your own construction business. You have a very uh, focused, a narrow view of what to expect because it's only based on your experiences and going with those experiences. And, and I learned this again the hard way is the wrong thing to do. Get someone involved that has experience, whether it's a lawyer or or, or even an accountant. Go get an accountant that has multiple um, uh, construction companies for that, that they work for. Now you're, right. you're you're starting to understand not just the business workings, but like what we're saying is you're going to start to understand how your customers view and handle you as a businessman.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And and a lot of times, you know, people don't want to use lawyers, which is completely fine. There are times when you don't need a lawyer. Uh, I am not a big believer in everything requires a lawyer. But to your fine. point, everything does require some help. Even if it's just a, 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 a therapy session, if you will, where you're talking out with somebody else who maybe has been in your shoes. And you, you just say to them, listen, these are the problems that I'm having. Um, You know, if you look at a lot of these Internet entrepreneurs, a lot of the passive income people, what you see is that they've got these leadership groups or management groups, and there's a whole bunch of these very successful entrepreneurs that will have, whether it's in person or on the Internet, some sort of sit down, and they're going to go over what. What's happening to them? Hey, listen, I'm experiencing this in my business. Has anybody dealt with that? And that, I think, is an invaluable learning tool. And I think a lot of times small businesses don't have the ability to find like-minded people. They don't have the time, and they don't have the financial resources to, in their minds, waste time talking to a group of people. They need to be in their office or in their business working. But I think that... and there are
2: two... And there are tools out there. I mean, LinkedIn is a great tool for that.
1: Yeah, it is. You know, you can Uh, you you can search by. uh,
2: Yeah, absolutely. You can can find people in your field that, you know, you just send an email to or a note to, or, or a friend of a friend. And so there's some, some tools out that you can find and gosh, and even Facebook. But do you think a lot of it is, is is information gathering because you're not going to think of every customer situation but by gathering information coming in at least you know what's going to you 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 have a degree of of understanding of what to expect
1: yeah and you know what no matter how prepared you are you are always going to have a customer <laughs> who or a client who yeah. just does not you know you just can't reason with them and i think that it takes um especially for certain people with certain temperaments so certain um you know innate personality characteristics somebody that might be offended easily somebody that might feel badly about themselves uh, when somebody criticizes. I think that it does take a level of uh, experience with those sorts of uh, situations that you can develop thicker skin. I I think it's hard to be a business owner and not have some layers of thick skin. Sure.
2: Well, not all customer relationships end well. Um, I'm sure you've had situations where you have just decided, hey, you know what? It's probably best we part ways. How do you handle those things?
1: You know, it, it's really, really hard because you 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 struggle with the well, did I do a good enough job? Or, um, you know, what are the, what's going to happen? A lot of the I think a lot of the problems with business owners, and and, and I'll speak you know from my own experience, it can be from fear. I'm afraid of what they're going to say. I'm afraid of what can happen. I'm afraid of what my reputation would be. And and then I think that you end up being stuck in relationships with people that are no good. I mean, a business relationship, you could make the example of, of dating a girl or a guy. You know, You know that this relationship isn't working. You know it's destructive. But you're afraid of hurting somebody's feelings or you're afraid of having them yell at you and it out and you know that that relationship is going to It's the same because if you're a business you're still a person and there's still this interpersonal relationship and you are not going to connect with every single person that you find and you have to be able to to realize that because here's what I've found personally bad relationships with clients and customers can make you physically sick you know um, I care a lot about what I do I try to do my best. I try to give everybody what they want. And sometimes I find myself giving so much that I'm actually giving away parts of me and you know losing my sense of of freedom and independence. And you know, I think back to when I used to work on Wall Street and you were a a number uh you know between 1 and 150. Of lawyers that were just floating around, and you know you were only as important as the partner viewed you to be. And then you know I've come through various stages. I was a partner, and and then you know ultimately started my own firm. It's very hard as the owner of your own firm because you are responsible for the work of everyone. And when you're a smaller firm, I mean we're a small boutique firm. When you're a smaller firm. Everything falls on your shoulders, and when you have bad relationships with people, it can make you feel bad about yourself, and that is That's the worst thing. You know, I think the,
2: a lot of that drives to honesty in, in your in yourself, and, and you know I mean you know how it is: sales over promises. Everything. When whenever I've worked with a sales department, they in you're in your own operations, they dump something on your lap, and you say, "We don't do that," or "We've never done this." Or we don't, we can do it, but, you know, and, and so, but, you know, you, you work to it and operations works to achieve it. And sales, when you're, when you're your own company, you're the salesperson, you're the operator, um, understanding your boundaries and being honest about that with your customer. You know, as we talk about effective communication saying, you know, Hey, I've uh, great. I, I, I have an example. I've not done animated videos before. I don't like to do them because there's so many people over in other countries that can do them much more cheaply than I can and probably much better. And so when people ask me about it, I'm up front with them. And honestly, I don't do them. I can do them. And it just depends on what you want and what I can do. And at least put the ball back in their court to make that decision based on my honesty. And if they do say, hey, yeah, we'd like you to do it. Okay, let's talk about what you want. And again, that communication I think is whatever you do is, is the biggest, biggest key
1: yeah I agree with that a hundred percent. you know you have to be able to be honest with yourself and I think that um you know that's really the most important thing that you can take away from this. So it looks like we're running out of time. I think this show was a shorter show today Bob um okay. I'm unfortunately gonna to have to wrap this up uh but we will get back into this next week. We can even continue with this topic uh but everybody out there who downloads this this uh podcast, please. Let us know what you think about this new format, and if you like the idea of hearing about our experiences and then talking about um, a particular business topic, because I I think it's um, I think it could be really great. And Bob and I are excited about it. So, Bob, we've got absolutely
2: love love to hear what other people think.
1: Yep. About their
2: experiences as well.
1: Go to utlradio.com. All the links to all the sites, all the ways to contact us are right there. Let us know what you think. We will be back next week. And I will be back tomorrow with Business and Legal Q&A Live. Um, just scheduled a shorter show today and didn't even realize it. So sorry for rushing off, but we will be back <laughs> next week with the full show. It was a Monday after a holiday weekend, and so I cannot say that I'm fully that's all. That's right. <laughs> all right, that's going to do it for today. I'll be back tomorrow. Bob and I will be back next week, and we look forward Thank to you your comments. Thanks for joining us. Remember that there's power in understanding the law.